Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Grand Lighthouse Coffee. Grand Lighthouse Coffee is the e-commerce business that sells certified organic fair trade coffee, either whole bean or grinded. Chemicals do not touch the beans, and the farmers who grow the green coffee are paid and treated fairly. Coffee beans are made to order so you will get freshly roasted beans no later than seven days after being roasted. Grand Lighthouse also provides memberships for families and businesses depending on how much coffee you purchase per month. For more information and updates, Follow, like them on Instagram, Facebook at Grand Lighthouse Coffee or visit their website at GrandLighthouseCoffee.com and don't forget to use your promo code EastWest to get 10% off. Scouts over relied on heavily when evaluating talent. Teams should be drafting for the future and not just immediate needs. It all starts with the quarterback position. Thank you for listening to the East-West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now, here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Thank you for listening to the East-West Football Podcast. I am your host, Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me, like always, Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Week seven. Let's get it. Happy Friday. Week seven. Uh, man, Hey, we have a great special guest tonight, man. I'm sorry. I spoiled it. Yes. Uh, later on on tonight's episode, we will have Steve Weish of the NFL Network. He will chat with us, all things football. But let's go ahead and start off, and let's review week six in the NFL. Uh, what would you guys think of week six? A lot, man. I mean, it was a lot of big things happening. You know, uh, the thing that really stood out to me is the Chiefs had a random ball against the Buffalo Bills. They were on. Um, it was hilarious. Ran for over 100, I think 120, 30 yards. He ran for a lot of yards. <clears throat> they, they rushed as a team over 200 some yards on the Buffalo Bills. There's, there's really been a solid defense in the past, but not this year. So anytime you hear an Andy Reid led offense rushing for that many yards, oh, if that's you know you know it's probably going to snow when it's somewhere in the summertime. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what stood out to me is the Chiefs had dominant. They were running the ball, and oh yeah, they just signed Le'Veon Bell as well last week. So I mean. I mean, you know, he you know he had to be looking like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going, I'm gonna be nice in this offense. Yeah, but I mean, when you when you stop and you look at it by week six, you would hope to see exactly the power the power teams right in the NFL on both divisions, right NFC AFC. But wow, I mean, the NFC, the NFC, it's kind of hard to guess, right? I mean, you think at one moment, you know, you're you're thinking at one moment, the Packers are gonna go, you know, have a long run and Boom! They get knocked down. Uh, then the Bucks look great. Uh, the NFC looks like 
I mean, it's just horrible. Uh, it's horrible. So that that I mean, the thing about being in the NFC East, right, is you, you get to be anybody can be crowned champion and get to the playoffs. Uh, but all the teams in that division look horrible. But overall, the the one thing about Week Six is that there's only maybe two clear cut teams that that we can see them maybe even in the Super Bowl. To me, that's the Seahawks and the uh, and I'm gonna have to give it to the Chiefs right now. Man, what stood out to me the most, though? I mean, Cowboys are horrible. They're they're in a horrible situation, man. I mean, Andy Dalton did not look good at all against the Arizona Cardinals. Man, that team looks like it just gave up Monday night. They look terrible. Like I cannot emphasize the word enough. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> yes. And Zeke Elliott, I don't know what's going on with him, but now he's having a lot of fumble issues. I mean. Maybe now he's kind of like a lack of confidence, right? Every time he carries the ball, he's, he's probably thinking like, wait, am I going to fumble the ball this time? And what teams are starting to do, they're starting to rape it every time. Every time he runs the ball, they're starting to grab it, that hand, grab it, that ball, see if, see if they can go make him fumble. I, start, I noticed it on Monday night. Yeah, I think, I mean, when it comes to a fumble, the player has to own up to it. He's done so. But overall, I mean, yes, the Cowboys do look like they are in trouble. I mean, they, they, they're completely dismantled on the off, offensive line. Still, no excuses. Andy Dalton has been there before. He's played with worse with the, with the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's gone further. So something's got, something definitely is up with the uh, Cowboys. Someone appointed to the players' efforts. Someone, some pe- the players want to point it at the coaching. So we'll see. It's a complete mess. Hopefully it, it gets cleared up, and we'll see if they're going to – I mean, what are they going to do with the rest of their season? They can't tank Man, I'll tell you what, Mike McCarthy does not look like an NFL head coach right now. He really doesn't. So I don't agree. That that seems in shambles. The other thing that stood out to me was, man, the Tennessee Titans are for real. They had a huge win against the Houston Texans in overtime um, last Sunday. Man, Ryan Tannehill is playing lights out. Derrick Henry, we already know what he is, right? I mean, he's a monster running that football. Man, that team is for real, and Coach Mike Rabel has got them playing lights out football. Yeah, that was crazy. Did you guys see the that those uh those videos that were out where it was showing how Mike Vrabel was actually intentionally he took the penalty rate for twelve men on the field? Yep. <laughs> yes, I did see that. So it just shows you somebody's been reading the rule book, and if you're reading the rule book, then that means that that you're destined for success. Well, let's not forget last year when they played against the the Patriots in the playoffs, he took a little sheet off of Bill Belichick's playbook as well. Right, taking that that um, I forget what what play it was, but he took a penalty to kind of offset the time that the Patriots were going to have. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I can't put I can't put on there, but yeah, I remember it was actually I remember the announcer saying giving them a little taste of their medicine. Right now, I know what I remember what it was. They were going to punt, and they intentionally took that 15 yard penalty or 10 yard penalty. I'm sorry, um, to I guess run a little bit more time off the clock. Oh, and- that's right. Yeah, right. So that's that's when Tom Brady and the Patriots were pressed for time and he drew that pick six at the end. Yeah, yeah, yes. you're absolutely right. He learned from the best, right? He learned from the best. He did. So I mean that's what stood out the most to me. Um, man, we've had such a busy week. I mean, a lot of news coming out. Uh Le'Veon Bell being let go by the Chief by the Jets, I'm sorry, and being signed by the Chiefs. Man, and now Antonio Brown, he's signed a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, I mean, when you think about this team, a lot of people picked the Green Bay Packers to beat the Buccaneers. I did not. I said the Bucs were going to dominate the Packers, which they did, and they just they look really good. 
Yeah, I'm going to say something real quick. Are we even podcasting? You know, because it feels like we haven't talked about this stuff and all this stuff is passing by, right? No, but get back, get back to the situation. I mean, holy moly, Tampa, Tampa Bay. I'm already, I'm already all in, right? It's not Tampa Bay anymore. It's got to say Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay. we see what kind of power Tom Brady has now because in the beginning of the season, Bruce Arians shut down the idea of Antonio Brown being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And all of a sudden, hey, he's flying out right now as we speak to Tampa Bay. And he signed a one-year contract. Yeah, I, we can't. You, there's one more, also wide receiver out there, right? Um, let let Kendo announce that one. I, I think I think he deserves that much. <laughs> Kendo, what's the other wide receiver out there? Dez Bryant, number eighty-eight, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he got hurt with the Saints a few years back. My guy is back in the league. <laughs> Bro, listen, guys, if y'all listen, I know we y'all listen out there. I felt like a kid at a candy shop when I got that alert that the Ravens were signing Dez Bryant. To, I mean, it, it, I mean, yes, they signed him to the practice squad, but it's Dez Bryant. He he will be. They're going to activate it. I think they had, they had to sign him to the practice squad to go through the COVID and the physical, and they want to work him out, see if he's in shape and all. But my man Dez Bryant, I got close connects with him. He's ready to roll. He can't wait, and it, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Man, I think he's, I think he can help out the Ravens though in a big in a big in a big way. He, and he definitely can. I mean, the Ravens were, you know, they were speculating. There was a lot of rumors going around that they were going to try to sign Antonio Brown. Uh, but, man, I just think that Tom Brady effect, right, um, was the leading, I guess, the factor for the Bucks signing Antonio Brown. The interesting part about that is that, I mean, I know they signed him, but Bruce Arians said early on in the year that he, that he that they wasn't interested in yeah, signing Antonio Exactly what I, you know, what we were talking about a little bit ago, right? Uh, it's just yeah. to me, it's it's the top of Bay effect. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be scary. I mean, if you can get a healthy, I mean, I mean, they already have two of the most lethal wide receivers. The only thing with those wide receivers, they can't stay healthy. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah. So great signing. Yeah, and and you know, last week we saw kind of Gronk's coming out party as a buck, right? He had a first touchdown. Uh, pat or catch and I don't know how many days over 600 days or more more than that actually right so they're like the old Gronk man yeah and then Ronald Jones man he is running the lights out football right now for the Bucks too and, and they just got back uh, Leonard Fournette's gonna come back this week too yeah man it's crazy to see Ronald Jones right from USC a lot of people you know maybe have forgotten but at USC he was a playmaker stud but he, yeah he was a playmaker he's like you said an absolute stud but when he came into the league I mean, he just got kind of lost in the pack mm-hmm. and come Tampa Brady to Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. Uh, man, he's just changed the whole culture. Ronald Jones is running with purpose. It's yeah. insane. But how, um, how about let's, let's give that Tampa Bay defense a little. We saw, we saw what they did to Aaron Rodgers last Sunday. They, I mean, they, two picks. It could have been like three picks. It could have been two pick sixes. Like they they're playing good at getting out of the passer. Levante David, he, I mean White Devin White, they're, they're playing they're playing some good ball there. That secondary has really came on. That secondary's coming on. I mean they got they got they got some great plays on that defense. I mean they, they're looking good, man. I think I think they they got they are looking good. They're about to take off. I feel. Yeah, I mean to me and Dominic and Sue, Jason Pierre Paul, I mean they just bring the the aggressive aggressiveness to that defensive line. Uh, we saw what they did to Aaron Rodgers. Packers were up 10 to 0, I think it was. And then that's when the Bucks just went on that run and the, the Packers didn't score after that. So, I mean, to me, you know, out of all these, the first six weeks, to me, the best team is the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's not just because the offense now, it's more the defense. We're starting to see that kind of uh, when they won the Super Bowl, 
that kind of aggression from this defense and they're playing lights out. Yeah. And hats off to, to Todd Bowles, right? He's the defensive coordinator there uh, for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's really, like you said, he schemed up these guys in a a great way. He has the whole team playing, the whole defense playing as a unit. And like you said, it's, it's watch out. Um, You know, I think it's going to be a double headed monster with the Bucks, the Bucks and the Seahawks. And speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were supposed to play Sunday night football against the Las Vegas Raiders. Early in the week, Trent Brown of the Raiders tested positive for COVID-19. He was not wearing his contact bracelet. There's just been a lot of crazy things going on. The whole offensive line got sent home. They still haven't practiced. Just a lot of different things going on. And then also Jonathan Abram was was the player that was last contact with him on Tuesday. So he will not be able to play for the Raiders on Sunday, which is a huge blow to that defense. And we seen last week when the Patriots played the um, played the Broncos, how if you don't practice, how it can affect your team. We saw how Cam and the Patriots look. They were sloppy. I mean, so you you got to practice. You want to play well, you got to practice. But at the same time, I don't want to make that as an excuse, right? Because we saw the Tennessee Titans come off. They didn't play for two weeks, and they blew out the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they did. yeah. absolutely. Hey, but still, I mean, that's that that just goes to show you. I mean, why why are you going to be? reckless right and and that's what we've learned from 2020 is hey man let's be let's be let's be the best person that we can let's do our part right to ensure safety for our families for our neighbors and and make sure that that you know that this you know these crazy times these this this i don't even want to address anymore but anyways that it just disappears is is by actually doing what we got to do so if this players intentionally sabotaging his way out he should just make that he should just make that vocal and and just welcome himself out of there or just unwelcome himself and just get off the team yeah i mean regardless if you believe in the virus if you don't believe in the virus it's out there so i mean you know what you signed up for this year right i mean as far as testing goes you just have to be extra careful not only for yourself but for your teammates that might have a a child that's sick or, you know, a parent that they live with. So it's just crazy to me. I mean, it's pure ignorance from, you know, for Trent Brown. I have to agree completely. I mean, look at the whole, pretty much the whole offensive line, right? I mean, they had to literally be on standby and waiting. And then, like, uh, I think Damon Arnett also is out too. Yeah, he, he's also, I believe, tested positive for the virus, but he's been gone from the, from the team a couple of weeks. Now, it, something to keep an eye on. Now, there's been a lot of different rumors and sources saying that the Raiders might be possibly looking to release Trent Brown and that this might be their exit way out without actually paying any money for Trent Brown for uh, conduct detrimental to the team. So that is something definitely to keep an eye on. Um, a real quick, uh, still on a Raiders note, they also signed David Irving, David Irving, former the Cowboys, to their practice squad this week. So they'll probably activate him up pretty soon. So just – and then – um. Also, the Baltimore Ravens, they made a trade for Unique and Darkway. So, from the, from the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, and, and those are both two interesting um, signings, right, in trade. Uh, Yannick and Darkway, for whatever reason, Minnesota looks like it's ship, you know, it's sinking. That ship is sinking, and they might be looking to move some parts and get some more draft capital. Uh, Ravens, to me, got a steal. They bolstered up that defense, and now they paired them back up with Calais Campbell. Uh, what They play together, actually – with the Jacksonville Jaguars when they went to the AFC championship game. I will say this. Um, <clears throat> so with the Vikings, it's a unique situation. Normally we, we, we don't say it's a complete tank, but I will say this. 
had they if they're saying this is strictly a move because of free agency, they don't know if they can afford in Donovan Duckway. Normally, the NFL gives you a comp pick, right? A comp is, uh, a, a, a comp pick, right? In the draft. So if he was to sign a high end dollar uh, trade, which we, he would, because I, I believe he he had already had what was it four sacks in the year already. So <clears throat> you know, come come the off season, he was going to get signed. That's a third pick automatically. So why would you want to give that up? So obviously there is an intent there from from the Vikings to go ahead and just blow it all up. But but to me, you already know what you have in Yannick Ndokwe, right? He's a do- he, he can be a dominant player, right? I mean, yes. to take a risk in the draft too. I mean, are you um, are you trying to take a step forward or take a step back? That's what it that's what it comes down to me. Yeah, I I I, I mean, and a name that we've also been hearing about, but nothing has transpired. But I mean, this offseason could be. No, or this season, I'm sorry, not off season, but the, this trade deadline could be one like no other. I just have that prediction. Uh, maybe even Cal Rudolph and Riley Reith and uh, Anthony Harris can be offloaded from the uh, Vikings. Speaking of trades, another team to keep an eye on are the Atlanta Falcons. They actually just won the first game of the season, right? Uh, but we have they have a younger, or I should say younger, older Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, right? They have huge cap numbers now. Do you guys feel like we might see a trade from the Atlanta Falcons? You know, either Julio Jones or Matt Ryan. I don't. I don't see the Falcons moving on from Julio Jones or not even Matt Ryan. If anything, they they probably do something to, uh, with Matt yeah. Ryan. I think Julio Jones is the is the guy that that will out. I just I, I don't I don't think that's him. I think he's more the loyal type. And I think I, I just don't think I think they might move some more some other piece, maybe a lineman or. Maybe something like a Hayden Hurst or maybe even Todd Gurley. I mean, I know he's on the one-year deal, but I don't. I don't think they will make any big moves. Yeah, I don't think I don't see that happening. I mean, number one, Julio Jones. As much as anybody would probably love, I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. If I if I if I had a team, that's exactly what I'd want in my wide receiver. And you you better be you better be. Well, I'm telling you right now, I would make every effort to trade for him if he was available. So I will tell you this: I, uh, Julio Jones as a wide receiver is, is, is still a, a great player at the age of 31. I think any team would like it, but I don't, I don't really see, foresee the Falcons doing They actually, like you said, came off their first win. looks like Raheem Morris was able to give them a little bit of a spark. Let's see if they can write that spark for the rest of the season. Yeah. I just, you know, as we approach the trade day line, we, we for sure have to keep an eye on teams that are not, that I guess not, I don't want to say tanking, right. But they're maybe looking to get into a better draft position. Well, I mean, that I think that was the Dolphins who made that really uh, infamous, right? Like the tank for Tua and uh, <laughs> having Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that, I mean, that worked. I guess, well, I guess I guess if you look at it, it was like if almost Tua was destined to be a Dolphin. I mean, look at it. They were tanking for him, and they ended up with the fifth pick, and they still drafted him in the, with the fifth pick. I mean, crazier things that happened. And he's starting. Yeah, and that's kind of where I was going to go to is now, you know, the Dolphins actually need him the starter next week against the Los Angeles Rams, which I don't know why you would want to start him against the Rams and the Aaron Donald and that defense. <laughs> Me, Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing well. I mean, but we do know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Um, you know, he's kind of up and down, but I felt like, all right, well, they're still in the playoff, you know, in the run. Even for the division, I was like, well, maybe they'll, they'll keep playing Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
I think with Fitzpatrick, you kind of expect the unexpected. You, you never know what to expect Fitzpatrick when you expect him to do good. He's not, but then when he's bad, he, he he's good. We saw what he did last year when he when he went to New England and they, he kind of knocked the Patriots out of seating, out of the seating order in the playoffs. So we know what Fitzpatrick is. It's tour time. Yeah, this is an exciting time for any Dolphins fan. And I'll tell you this: they have the right head coach in place. Looks like he has the culture set. Uh, you know, I did read on the story about Ryan Fitzpatrick taking him by by shock. I feel it for him because true ultimate team player. I mean, even when he welcomed in Tua from the game, it was just such great sportsmanship. So, uh, but let's see, it's Tua time. Let's see, let's see what the Dolphins have now on offense. <laughs> Our guest today is a reporter, analyst, and host for NFL Network, Steve Wise. How are you doing, Steve? Hey, man. I'm great. Good seeing you guys. East-West football podcast, man. I love it. You guys are like all over, spread out all over the country. So I, I love the, uh, the geographical bandwidth, for lack of a better expression. <laughs> well, we appreciate your time, Steve. So let's go and get started. So I wanted to ask you about what's going on in Las Vegas. Obviously, Trent Brown tested positive for COVID-19. They sent pretty much the whole offensive line home. They're, uh, you know, they got kicked off of uh, Sunday Night Football, so now it's a one o'clock game. Just want to get, you know, the update. What's going on in Vegas? Well, look, they're having to follow the protocols. Um, so the offensive line, it's not that all these guys tested positive. Trent Brown did, but all these guys were in contact with him, right? And so this is the contact tracing. So they've got to now go home and isolate for a couple of days and then test negative for a couple of days, but I also believe that uh, the safety Jamal Abrams, you know, because he was in, in close contact um, at a later date at like Tuesday, he's not going to have enough time to get back. So um, it's just one of these things that, you know, when we were coming into the season with the COVID situation, we were asking ourselves and, and a lot of teams around the NFL, I would call up like, Hey, what happens if your whole position group, test positive or a guy test positive and everyone's got to do. And so now we're seeing it play out in real time. And again, now it's a matter of if all the other guys test negative, they're going to be able to play. Um, so it's just, look, man, you know, a lot of guys are doing everything the right way and not testing positive. This, and this goes throughout society and other people are doing everything the right way and they're still catching it. This is a contagious, contagious virus. So we just don't know how it's moving. We don't know how it's handling. And it sucks for all of us because we're all kind of going stir crazy right now, but we just have to continue to be diligent and strident. And, you know, I talked about this with Darius Leonard, the linebacker for the Colts and other players. You have to think about the other players on your team, man. You know, instead of you going out and doing something selfish or, or, or hanging out at a club or whatever, you know, think about the guy who might have a kid at home who's got a heart problem, right? Or a guy who's got a wife, who also has an elderly parent in the house or grandparent in the house. I mean, you know, that's, that's why you're seeing some teams being really, really, you know, having no issues with this and other teams where you're seeing stuff creep up over and over. Do, do you see any kind of discipline coming down on the Raiders for this? Yes. No, not, not unless, you know, they find that an individual was doing something egregious, but again, I don't think, it's disciplinary. You know, when you saw what happens with the Tennessee Titans where they have an outbreak, right? They've got more than 20 people in their organization test positive. You've got players admitting to having off premises workouts where 
you know, that's banned. They signed an they signed an amended collective bargaining agreement saying these off these off campus workouts you cannot do these, and they're admitting to it. And you're seeing the league come out and say, hey, look, there may be some fines, but we're going to be more educational than punitive. I, I don't think something like this, because you know, you, you, again, you don't know. It's hard always to trace the genesis of where you got it, unless you know you're up in the middle of a rave with a bunch of COVID positive people, you know, waving it, partying, you know. T- so it's like that. So it's hard to trace exactly where you got it. Yeah, th- there were some reports um, yesterday. I believe that they were saying that Trent Brown was not wearing his bracelet, and he was, you know, the player obviously that had the COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Abram was around him on Tuesday, which is, you know, that's right. going to be able to play on Sunday. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, players playing this season, they should know, hey, you got to be careful because it's not just me. It's, just, you know, my teammate. It's his family that can get sick. So a very unfortunate situation that's uh, going on with the Raiders right now. And, and, you, and you can't look for lack of a better expression. You can't take the ankle bracelet off. Yeah. Right. If you're on probation, you take the ankle bracelet off. You're going to get in trouble. So you can't take the contract tracer off no matter where you wear it because the NFL, they've got you on low jack. You take it off. They know you're not abiding by it. Like, why would you take it off? They're waterproof. You're supposed to wear them in the shower, everything else. So you take it off. You're setting yourself up for probably a nice little sock in the pocketbook. All right. Thank you, Steve. What's going on, Steve? Tando. <laughs> I hope I was well with you. Um, I want to ask you a question. What's, what's your take on the Atlanta Falcons in the direction of the team? In terms of can they get win number two or with the coaching search or the future? <laughs> it's a really open-ended question there, Kendall. Okay, so let's let's take it, let's take it from a couple layers then. Yeah. So first off, let's deal with the immediacy of things, and that's them uh, going into week two, or their second week with Raheem Moore to try to get a W. Let's Let's, let's see if they can build on things, right? They played very good in all three phases against the Minnesota Vikings. But what you tend to see when interim coaches come in is the immediate spike because players are like, you know, darn, as, as badly as things were going, it sucks that a coach is out of a job. A GM is out of – like there's that personal, man, someone got fired because we didn't do our job as good as we could do them. Can that sustain? Because the Falcons are talented, man. That is a talented football team. So can they all of a sudden get it going? You know, I spoke to Raheem Morris after the game and I said, what changed in your messaging? He said, not much. He said, me and Dan Quinn, we have similar messaging to the players in preparation, but this is where the brotherhood, which Dan Quinn always talks about, the brotherhood meets the dirty bird, meaning Raheem Morris said, if a guy messed up, he, we grabbed him on the spot. And if it was a stupid mistake that he did over and over, we got in his face. But if it's something like, hey, here's what you do on this play, blah, 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 run the play again. See, a lot of coaches, when you go to practice, they stick to a script. Like, okay, we only have two hours with these guys. We've got to hit all these plays in the script to get ready for, you know, our got to have it plays, which are, you know, fourth and one, third and one, or you're on the plus side of the 10-yard line going to the end zone. Like, you know, so they'll, they'll stick to the script instead of correcting mistakes and then try to correct them in the film room. So will that method continue to work? for the Falcons this week. Now let's push it again, Kenny. I'm just going long because you left me open-ended here. <laughs> you got the trade deadline coming up, right? So are the Falcons going to be sellers? We'll see. You know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones have contracts as to where if they get traded, the cap hits are just absolutely egregious. So I wouldn't see either of those guys moving. But let's say they lose this week. They fall to one and six. Someone calls about Deion Jones. Mm-hmm. 
offer a third or fourth rounder? Do they entertain it? Possibly. Call about Keanu Neal. Possibly. You know, I don't see them moving Calvin Ridley. He's a young part of the nucleus. But I wouldn't think that a lot of other people would be off limits because they're one and six. We can lose with you. We can lose without you. Um, and then in terms of their coaching search, we'll see. I mean, this is I, I used to cover that club for years uh, when I lived in Atlanta. Uh, I know Arthur Blank. He is going to be diligent. They're going to throw they're going to they're going to put a whole lot of smoke and, and stuff out there for people to see publicly. And they are going to work behind the scenes. Um, and the reason why I say that is I remember when they let Jim Moore go and they were putting Mike Singletary, Ron Rivera, Jim Caldwell, um, all these candidates out there that they would kind of discuss openly. And all the while they were working Bobby Petrino back channels. You know, Bobby Petrino had the job at University of Louisville, so they couldn't make that public because that could hurt his recruiting, whatever, if he didn't get it. Right. But that's how they operate. And, that, and that's how this is going to operate as well. Do you think Julio Jones is the type of player that would want to leave from Atlanta, or you think he's more of the lawyer type that would probably stay stay through the rebuild? Hard, hard to hard to uh, answer. I don't think he's going to say "get me out of here" because the one thing about Julio Jones, man, you talk about a grinder. This is like a guy who still thinks he's playing youth league sports. He's got to, you know, earn his way onto the eighth grade team. Everyone you talk about. It's like this dude gets after it and he could not be more of a professional. So he's not somebody who's going to say, get me out of here. Now, if he hears through his agent or someone else um, that the Chiefs are trying to get him or the Packers are trying to get him, you know, a team that's got a chance for Super Bowl aspirations, he might be like, can, can we can we see what's going on here? Because I don't know what the future of this club is going to be, because we might have a new coach next year and it's going to be a, a, an organizational teardown. Right. And we're going to start from scratch. And I don't want to be a part of that because I'm 31 years old. So that's the only way where I could see him saying, hey, could you at least explore the opportunities? But he's just he's just not that guy. He, he really is not that guy. I, did, I didn't see that in him either. Um, let's, let's, switch, let's switch teams right quick. I want to talk about the Rams. Are you surprised by, the, by their impression three or two start? <sighs> Great question. You know, Preseason-wise, I would say yes, you know, because I, I live in L.A. I'm around this team a lot, and I didn't see it. I saw, I saw some talent at really good positions, like their secondary is really good, right, with Jalen Ramsey, and they've got some nice young safeties, and, and Troy Hill at a corner, they're, they're loaded there, um, Aaron Donald, of course, is a superstar, but, you know, they got rid of their whole linebacking core, you know, they, they lost um, Corey Littleton to the Raiders, and Clay Matthews is gone, and and they, they, they just lost, you know, a lot of their edge presence, you know, we saw Dante Fowler go to the Falcons, I'm like, man, and that's still not an area of strength, they don't have a one-on-one uh, pressure beater, you know, a guy who can beat, you know, an offensive tackle and, and or split a double team other than Aaron Donald and get to the quarterback. So, um, but Brandon Staley, this new defensive coordinator who none of us heard of is, is the dude. I mean, he's fantastic. He's got these guys playing very well. Um, offensively, you know, their offensive line was a mess last year. They've, they've been fantastic this year. Um, you know, they've, they're doing this running back by committee. It's working. So, Am I impressed by their four and two start? Yes. Now, now they've got to win a game outside of the NFC East because the NFC East is garbage and all four of their wins have come against the NFC East. So they play the bears in Monday night and I'll be at that game. Bears five and one. That's the team we need to be talking about. Are you surprised about? Oh yeah. Who thought this was going to happen? We thought they were going to be up for the top five pick, Um, but they're five and one. Their defense is as nasty as it gets. 
Um, they've got great special teams with Cordell, Cordero Patterson and, and Ted Ginn. And offensively, they're doing just enough. So if the Falcons or if the Rams beat them, I'll say, okay, that would that was a good win. If the Bears beat the Rams, I'm like, that's a really good win. Now you have our attention. I'm sorry, but it's a four and two start, not a three and two start. I just yep. thought of it. Appreciate it, Steve. That was tremendous. Hey, Steve. Jerry. <laughs> Man, um, this is uh, this is a, a very surreal moment for myself. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure my colleagues would say the same. Um, wow. I mean, to say that we're living in some crazy times, I think sometimes it could be an understatement, you know. Uh, but real quick, uh, I just want to kind of go back a little bit in time and then kind of fast forward to right now. I'm, I mean, obviously, you know, you you broke the, you know, you broke the actual the actual story right with the whole Colin Kaepernick situation and at that time it was still kind of new to us all everybody right but let's fast forward to today you know with seeing what the NBA has done and and whatnot now we're seeing traction especially with you know the the whole you know uh what's the proper word social injustice right but did you ever think or what or explain to us the emotions right of now looking at it now that you are going to be a part of sports history. Yeah. I, I don't look at it that way. You know, I was doing my job. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I was, I was just doing my job. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to champion the cause or, Hey, I'm the dude who broke the cap story. And therefore I'm, I'm part of history. Colin yeah. Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick is the one who's part of history. Oh yeah. I, I, st I still have my job. Yeah. I'm still working for the NFL network cap has not worked since after that season, right? So he was the one who had the courage to stand up in front of this country um, to put his job at stake and to do what he did. So he's, he's the one who did his job. I was just kind of the messenger who was there uh, and spoke to him first. And so there's, there, so that's, you know, that's how I look at it. And that's, that's the honest to God truth. Now let's fast forward today. So Colin Kaepernick in 2016, he sat down for the playing of the national anthem. And let's, let's look at the snapshot of what was going on in 2016. You had a very hostile presidential election run up. It was Hillary Clinton, and Donald Trump. So it was just ugly, just like today, right? You had Philando, Philando Castile and Alton Sterling and several other black people getting shot on video by unarmed cops who were not charged or who got acquitted just like today. There's nothing different other than in terms of the, you know, American society, other than feelings are even more raw about this because of what happened with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. It's, it's in your face now, right? The NFL is saying black lives matter and WNBA and NBA and MLS and premier league soccer. It's worldwide. I'm taking a knee during the national anthem. There's a lot of people who don't want that in their face. But if you think anyone's taking a victory lap, especially Colin Kaepernick saying, okay, we got people to recognize, you're wrong. Because the people who are now no longer with us are still no longer with us. The same things are still happening. We're just talking about it more. And we're more focused on it because we're at home because of pandemic, you know, or because of this pandemic. And so we're, we're, we're into what's going on in the news and what's going on in the world far more than we were back then. But in terms of all of this progress, yeah, I mean, again, people are talking about it. White players or white athletes are talking about it. White politicians are talking about it. 
sponsors who before were reluctant to embrace it um, are embracing it now. Don't think that's not for financial reasons because what's been the target demographic of everybody, the NFL, all these major business, 18 to 35. These are the people who spend money. They go hang out. They do this and that. Well, those 18-year-olds were 14 years old when Colin Kaepernick did this four years ago. So they might not have understood what's going on. So who's been in the streets all summer? 18-year-olds. So these are the people who are the, these, these businesses and these professional franchises are like, oh, okay, these 65-year-olds who are curmudgeons and who are really against us four years ago, we can replace them with these 18-year-olds who are going to embrace the messaging that we hear them talking about. So again, don't think all of this is for the most sincerest of reasons. And so that's kind of the big change that we've seen in society uh, with these pro sports teams with athletes. I mean, look, Colin Kaepernick was, was singing solo, right? You had Eric Reed and Eli Harold with the Niners and Kenny Stills and Michael Thomas with the Dolphins and a few other players taking knees and raising fists. But he was, he was kind of left – you know, by himself. And he said that was fine because he didn't ask anybody to do this with him. But now there's, there's more people doing it. Um, so I, I think that's progress. But again, when it seems to legitimate action, like holding bad police officers and, and bad people accountable, you know, call me when it happens because, uh, you know, my phone hasn't rung. No, I, I, I totally understand. Um, to, to say the least, you know, I'm Maybe we're making progress in the right direction, but like you said, I think I think you said it clearly too. I think it does. It starts with us, right, and being the best version that we can be. Mm-hmm. Personally, uh, one more thing, Steve. So, um, for the future, what do you what do you what would you like to see for the future of you know sports uh, broadcasts or you know sports reports? What 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 would you like to see the end result, if anything, uh, to to from what we've seen how you know you go about your business, what would you like to see for the future? Wow. That's a spectacular question, man. Um, I, I think for me, look, I'm 54 years old, right? I've got kids who are like you guys' age. So I, I've seen a lot of experience a lot, but what I, what I really would like to see, like, okay, you see me in front of the camera, you turn on NFL network, you see a lot of um, black former athletes in front of the camera. We have, uh, MJ Acosta, who hosts Total Access, she's the first Afro-Latina to host a show on NFL Network. So let's say for the front-facing people, I would like to see more Latin people in front of the camera because every time I go to a Rams game or a Chargers game, half the stadium, not this year, is filled with Latinos, right? So why don't we have messengers who can relate to them delivering the message, right? So, and not just in Spanish language because there are a lot of Latinos who don't speak Spanish, right? So I, I think this is, that, that's important. I also would like to see more Asian Americans and especially Native Americans delivering mess. So let's say front facing, you know, diversity. And I, and I think women is a huge part of that, which is why I always salute and mention the WNBA as being the leaders with the social justice movement because they were out there before CAP. You know, you've got Megan Rapino with the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team doing what she did, right? And so, but the bigger issue is in the boardroom, right? So at NFL Network, the newsroom and stuff is on the first floor. The fourth floor is where all the decisions get made. Nobody looking like me up there, okay? And, that, and that's universal. That, that goes throughout this whole industry. And so when you have a lot of these networks and making decisions on how 
stories are told and how you're going to cover events, they're made by people who don't look like the people we see on the field or on the court, right? And so that's where the, the, the power structure, and this is nothing new. My parents said this, my grandparents said this, the power structure in terms of decision makers and true diversity, that's, that's where I think it needs to happen in this industry because, you know, look, I've never in my life, like I said, I've been in this for 30 years now. I've never had a boss of color, not once. Not once, not the NFL Network not at the Miami Herald, or I did have um, some Latino supervisors, but not the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, not at the Washington Post, and not at the Richmond Times-Dispatch, okay? So you think about that, and all the years I've been in this, not once. That's crazy. That, that's yeah, insane. It, is. It, it really is. And so um, I think we need fearless people like you guys to continue using your voices, and trying to make the progress you're trying to make and to really and to really push, you know, to continue this. Like I'm I'm so happy to be on this podcast and seeing you guys and having these conversations. Um, because this is where we need to be. And you know, keep on amplifying your causes. Don't be afraid. Like when Cap took the knee, I was afraid to kind of push the envelope, like, damn, you know, I got kids to feed, you know, I got I got a mortgage to pay. Now I'm kinda of like, you know what? You know, I I, I can't I can't be, I can't be a chicken anymore. I've got to speak about it. I got to speak about the lack of black coaches and the black lack of black DMs and women in, in certain roles, because I've got that platform and it's important. Thank you, Steve. And, and so our, so for our listeners, you do have your own podcast. It's a uh, huddle and flu with uh, Jim Trotter. Um, I will say this. Uh, I, I, you know, I think the, uh, ep- your first episode with uh, Ron Rivera, Wow, that was that was. I mean, wow. it just that was that was epic. I mean, I I didn't I didn't know Ron Rivera was that 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 uh, knowledgeable of of the situation. Like you said, you know, you brought up the Hispanic culture. I mean, if you look it up, I mean, we're almost sixty one percent of the population in the United States of America. So definitely, I I recommend all our listeners to go check out, uh, you know, Steve's uh, podcast, uh, How to and Flow. It's fire, man. It's it it, it, and it's different. Like it is. Like we, we, but like what you guys are doing. Okay, so what Jim and I are doing. Jim and I both went to the same university, right? We graduated from Howard University in Washington D.C. So it's a historically black college. So it's an important avenue for us to amplify historically black colleges, right? And I and I didn't start there. I started University of Missouri to play football. So I've had the experience of of both different types of universities. But so we always have a, a black college element of it. We have a show coming up that's just spectacular. Um, with the head coach of North Carolina A&T, Sam Washington, and how these black colleges, they, had, they didn't have spring football because of COVID. They don't have fall football because of COVID. How are their players going to get scouted for the NFL? So we follow that up with an interview with Seahawks general manager, John Snyder, who discussed it from the NFL perspective. And that's different, right? That's different. We're not doing the scratch and sniff stuff that you see on TV and, and all that. We're having conversations of cause and effect. Right. We had Soledad O'Brien, the great journalist on, and she just. We talked about the industry. We talked about political reporting, about sports and politics. And she it was scorched earth. It was brilliant. So, yeah, listen to the podcast because it is it is so different. Um, it is so high IQ and it is it is also very funny. And I will tell you this. We have some guests coming up in the next two weeks. That a whole lot of people 
with lots, much bigger platforms would love to get, but you know what? They want to come beyond with us. So make sure you listen. That's awesome. All right, Steve, before we let you go, I do have one last question to ask you. So uh, the, the trade line is quickly approaching. Do you see any teams making a trade for a player? Maybe a team that's, you know, that's on the verge of doing, uh, going on a playoff run that's missing, you know, at, you know, at one position. Do you see anybody making the trade? Oh, yeah. It's, I think it's going to be pretty active. I mean, we, and we saw this uh, earlier this week with the Ravens and Vikings. Yeah. Um, so the Vikings, they gave up a second rounder to Jacksonville to acquire pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe. He's one of the few players there who's been consistently good. He's got five sacks. They ship him to the Ravens for a, a late – that's going to end up being a late third-round pick. So this is what I call reverse Robin Hood dealing, right? <laughs> you stole from the poor and you gave to the rich. And so, yeah, we're going to see more of that because I think you're going to see some teams just say bump it. You know, we're going to try and get the high pick. You know, if the Jets have anybody that teams want, I think we're going to see, you know, them deal. There's going to be some teams. Again, we'll see if teams come after the Falcons players, but there's going to be dealing and and part of it, and, you know, we spoke to John Schneider about this, is because of COVID. Like, NFL scouts can't get on college campuses right now. They can't scout guys at, at practice. And that's where a lot of the scouting happens. How do guys interact with their teammates? How do they interact with their coaches? How do they get down on a Thursday practice um, for a game against Central Michigan and not, you know, Clemson? And so they can't get that evaluation. So now they're like, man. We like this guy, but we don't have enough intel on him other than the coach's word. Let's go out and trade for somebody instead because we know what that player can do as opposed to the mystery there. So John Schneider's even talking about like why they went out and got Jamal Adams. and They gave up those two first-round picks to get him. That's one of the main reasons why. So I think we're going to see a lot of activity around the trade deadline. All right, Steve. Well, appreciate your time, and hopefully we can catch up with you down the road. Anytime, gents, man, and best of luck to you. Thanks for having me on. East-West Football Podcast right on. Appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Week seven. Can you guys believe it's week seven already? No. <laughs> Time flies, right? Time flies. Yes, but all right. So let's go and pick the games for week seven. Uh, first game was last night. Uh, New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. I had the Eagles. Who would you guys have? The Eagles. I told um, I told Jerry in the past during the show, I was like, man, some, everything in me wants me to go Giants. But ultimately, I went with Carson Wentz over Daniel Jones. I went with the Eagles. I will say this. I tried to say I I, I I had the gut feeling like kind of like Kendall and one of those things that I try to do is trust my gut, right? When it tells you to go this way. And I actually picked the Giants and uh it looked like they were gonna win for a moment, but dang it, those Eagles pesty that pesty uh Carson Wentz, you know, it I guess you can never count out the Eagles as long as they have Carson Wentz behind the uh behind the ship, right? Or running the ship, shall we say? All right. So then, next game: Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Man, this I'm is a going, tough game. Who did the Desert? I'm going 27-23 Steelers. 
Wow. I mean, this is really tough because, I mean, you got two teams that are very tough. That's what they're known for. Very tenacious defense. And their offensive line is getting it done. Um, go ahead and give me the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to go with the Titans as well. Cleveland at Cincinnati. Cleveland, they got to bounce back. Baker, I think, it, like, I mean, they beat Cincinnati, what was it, week two on Thursday night football. So I think, I mean, Cincinnati might got a little bit of revenge on their mind, but ultimately Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, he, he gets it done. He gets it done this week. Man, Burrow made me look bad last week, man. And I said I had forgiven him. It's a long season, my friend. Long it is. It is a long season. You know what? On this one, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and play it a little bit safe. Um, go ahead and go ahead. I, I don't know. AJ Green's kind of weird. I like what I'm seeing out of T. Higgins. I'll uh, go ahead and give me the Browns in this one. I'll take the Browns as well. Buffalo at the New York Jets. Bills. Uh, <laughs> Bills. Uh, yeah, I think on that one, it's almost like a uh, for sure thing. Carolina at New Orleans. Now, keep in mind that earlier today, Emmanuel Sanders got placed on the COVID-19 list and will not play. And also looks like Michael Thomas is going to be out for another week. Go ahead and give me the Saints. No no Michael Thomas, no Emmanuel Sanders. They still got Drew Brees. They still got Avicamara. And expect Traquan Smith to make a few big plays in that defense to make some plays. I'm I'm still going with the Saints. Yeah, I'm going with the Houdat Nation, New Orleans Saints. Detroit at Atlanta. Whew. Man, that's a trap game. It's a trap game. Don't fall for it, Kendall. Don't fall for it, Detroit. Uh, dang, that's a that's a pick, that's a pick'em game. That's one of that's, this is probably one of the toughest games we've had all year. Where's Flip the game? A, Where's the game? Flip, at? It's in Atlanta. Yeah. Make it easier on yourself. Go with the home team. Go Falcons. I go Atlanta. Man, Jerry suckered you into that one. Uh, give me the Detroit Lions. Uh, Dallas at Washington. Man, you know what? I, 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 at this point, at this point, I feel bad for for Cowboy Nation. Um, you know, as much as much as they want to win, you know what? Go Cowboys. Oh man. Yeah, boys. <laughs> Give me the Washington, the Washington football team. Green Bay at Houston. Green Bay. Yeah, I look. I'm gonna say Green Bay, but this is gonna be a very close game. So give me the. Go ahead and give me the Packers. Close one. Man, we saw last week Houston kept up with Tennessee, and they lost in overtime. Oh man, I just I don't see Aaron Rodgers losing two weeks in a row, especially the way they got. They got spanked last week by the Bucks. Give me Green Bay. Seattle at Arizona. This is a new Sunday night football game, which originally was the Bucks at the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a fun game. It's this is my upset pick of the week. I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> now, they, hey, they, they've had the Seahawks number in the last few years. They've had their number. I'm not ready to count up the Seahawks. Give me the Seahawks here. Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray? Give me Russell Wilson. I'll take Seattle Seahawks. Jacksonville at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers. If, if Justin Herbert's going to get him one, it's going to be this week. Yeah, I think he's going to get his first week or his first win this week, I should say. Los Angeles Chargers. Kansas City at Denver. 
I, I think it's a no-brainer. Well, the thing is that Denver's defense has been playing uh, like pretty pretty good. So that's week they tore it up. <laughs> They've been looking good. What I'm saying, the defense. But yeah, I'm not I'm not ready. I'm not ready to commit to Denver yet. Kansas, Kansas City this week, Denver doesn't. They, they don't get a team that's, that has a, that had practice in a couple of weeks, and we had a quarterback coming back from COVID. They don't, they don't get that break this week. I'm going Patty Mahomes. My homeboy, Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Who who's not your homeboy? Is the real question. Give me the <laughs> San Francisco at New England. Ooh, I tell him not to flip it. I told Kendall one thing, and uh, all right, all right, no, no, no. This is now. This is a pick'em game. It is a pick'em game because it is it is a trap. Well, I mean couple things so Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to New England um you know and I think Bill Belichick's gonna fall and live all over again with Jimmy Garoppolo but you see who knows him more than anybody that's true this is Bill Belichick so give me go ahead and give me the uh Patriots on the in this game it's gonna be it's gonna be an ugly game ugly Patriots Patriots win a close one a big bounce back game from Cam Newton and my guy Nikhil Harry is gonna go off and he's gonna score a touchdown Patriots Seventeen twenty. I'm good with the Patriots win, but I'm not going to be uh, no. that bold. Now, now, look, I despise both teams, Niners and Patriots. Uh, man, I just, I don't know. New England did not look right last week. So it's, Niners got a lot of injuries. They got a lot of injuries coming to this game. But they just beat the Rams last week on Sunday Night Football. So, I mean, to me, it's kind of like, uh, all right, you know what? I'm going to give me the Patriots. I'll go with the Patriots. Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. Oh man, give me Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. You know, Tom Tom Brady in that offense looking really good. Give me the Las Vegas Raiders, man. Come on, (laughs) (laughs) man. You know what? They're gonna they're gonna come in fired up. They had a lot of distractions this week with COVID nineteen. Trent Brown, I think they come out and they have a huge game. Derek Carr throws for a couple touchdowns. Uh, Give me the Raiders. No, no, but no. Monday Night Football, Chicago at the LA Rams. Wow. Go Bears. Bears. Ah, man. Give me the Rams. Hey, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Man, the Rams disappointed me last week. But I'll tell you, that's going to be a great Monday Night game, man. It is. So we'll see. And that's going to wrap up our picks for week seven. And that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this edition of the East West Football Podcast. For all your latest news and updates, make sure you go to eastwestfootballnetwork.com. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and also our new YouTube channel, eastwestfootballnetwork.com. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. 
But I like airplane. I know you do. But Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast.